We've got to move fast this morning, but last week we started this series called My Beloved, My Friend, taken from Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. We're talking about marriage. And I showed you a photo last week of Tara and me. And uh, do we have that one up there, Caleb, or no? There we are. And I said, hey, listen, over the next several weeks, we want you to send in some pictures too, because we're going to show a slideshow on September 29th. Well, some of them have started to come in. Let's show that next one there. Look at there. Roland and Angie Schweer. 47 years, is that right? 47 years. Roland probably doesn't want me to tell you all this, but you could have probably guessed it. Roland used to do voiceover work with his voice. You might have heard him on the radio or on TV years ago. He even had a stage name. Is that what you'd call it? Not Roland Schweer, Roland Steele. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome. He sent me one of his deals from years ago, and I lost it. I've looked for it because I wanted to share it with you. Hey, it's Roland Steele. Here's another one. Oh, there's old Warden Berta. 51 years, is that right? At least. At least. He can't remember. So uh, as they keep coming in, we'll tease you with some of these. But please, if you will, send us a wedding photo and a current photo. We'd love to use it on September 29th. Last week, we looked at marriage as a wonderful gift that God has given. Ephesians chapter 5, that classic passage on Husbands and wives followed quickly by Ephesians 6, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places who are intent on destroying us. And in the context of Ephesians, one of the things they are intent on destroying with their evil schemes is marriage. Some of their schemes, we said, are difficult adjustments that every couple has to continually make. Or the culture's pattern of marriage, this 50-50 performance-based marriage that we see all the time championed in our culture, which is just not the biblical model. Inevitable difficulties that come that we would just never anticipate extramarital affairs, we talked about those, and not only the ones, a physical affair, but it could be activity affairs, or materialism affairs, or career, or family, just things that we look to, to help us deal with life that can take the oneness we so long for and create isolation, and then finally selfishness that we are all sinners, husbands and wives alike. We came back at the end and pointed us where Paul pointed us to stand strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That husbands, we need to be looking to the Lord as we seek to be the head, the servant leader of our wives and of our families. And ladies, you need to be looking to the Lord as you seek to be the helper, the servant lover of your husband and of your children. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. 
on earth is not his equal. You and I need the Lord. And as we look to the Lord for strength, an essential skill for marriage is good communication. And that's not always easy, is it? I feel very unqualified to be talking about good communication in marriage, but I'm stealing most of my stuff from family life so we can blame it on them. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to take just one little phrase out of there and jump off of it quickly this morning. Ephesians 5 is one of those classic New Testament chapters on marriage, and so is 1 Peter chapter 3. In verses 1 to 6, Peter is addressing wives who find themselves often in a very, very difficult situation with a husband who either is not a follower of Jesus, or maybe even if he is, he is not walking with Jesus. And Peter gives to her a wife in that situation some good counsel, as hard as it may be. But then in verse 7, Peter says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. As with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Just want to briefly look at that little phrase, live with your wives in an understanding way. Literally, the phrase is according to knowledge. Live with your wives in an understanding way or according to knowledge as with someone weaker since she is a woman. Now, this does not mean weaker intellectually. And all God's women said, amen. And it does not mean weaker morally, like she's more prone to sin than her husband. No. What this means is that she's weaker in, in body and generally more vulnerable. Listen, if Tara and I were going to fight a thousand times out of a thousand, I'm going to whoop her. She's got no chance against me. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. She is a weaker vessel. Now, that doesn't apply to every marriage. <laughs> Some of your wives can whoop you, man. <laughs> but it applies good night. Just across the board, men are bigger, men are stronger, men can dominate their wives if they wanted. And in the beauty of how God has made them, they are sometimes more vulnerable emotionally. Peter says to, to us husbands, hey, listen, men, you need to live with your wife according, wives according to knowledge with some insight into skill because she's not a man. That's his point. She's not like you. She's a woman. She's 
different. And all God's men said, amen, and praise God. But those differences can sometimes make it hard, particularly hard in communication. And I don't want to make too much of this, but I don't think we're stretching it, ladies, and you can jump on me for my biblical exegesis here. Could we not also flip this? Wives, live with your husbands in an understanding way because he's a man. He's not a woman. He's different than you. She's not a man. She's a woman. He's not a woman. He's a man. We're different, and that can make it difficult sometimes especially in communication. We communicate in various ways. I love the way Family Life puts this. Some of us are land the plane communicators and others of us are enjoy the ride. Right? Land the plane communicators, we want the shortest path to the goal. The destination is the goal. What's the problem? What are the facts? Give it to me. Let's get to the goal. Enjoy the ride communicators, just, hey, we might as well relax and enjoy the ride because it's going to take us a while to get there. I like to have conversations, quite honestly, with my wife while standing up because that tends to give me this sense that it won't take very long. Tara likes to sit down. Why? Because we're going to enjoy the ride. At least one of us is, right? <laughs> Some of you are share your feelings. Others are just the facts. Some of you feel deeply about what you are communicating. That's just part of how God has made you. Your emotions are simply part of what goes on in your thought process. It's not only what you're thinking about, but it's what, how you're feeling about it. Others are just the facts. Our aim is to set aside our emotions. We want to be left with our logic and with our reason. We see sometimes that emotions may interfere with good thinking. I like this one. Thinking out loud versus let's take turn communicators. The thinking out loud communicators ask questions and comments as soon as the thought occurs, even if the other person is talking, and I add to this, even if I'm not in the room. Sometimes I'll hear my wife talking from another room and I'm thinking, who's she talking to? And I'll ask her, are you talking to me? She's talking to herself. It's just out loud. As the thought comes through, it comes out. Whether or not anybody's in the room or not. Let's take turn. Communicators kind of use this principle of justice and fair play. I talk and then you talk. I talk. And then you talk. We communicate, husbands and wives, in various ways. Neither and none of these are wrong. They're just different. But goodness, these differences, if we don't watch ourselves, right, they can become the fuel for a whole lot of headbutting. 
any of these differences that we talk about, they, they have to be recognized. Oh, she's different than I am. He's different than I am. But to recognize it, but then we have to secondly appreciate it. Praise God that Tara is different than I am. It sometimes leads us to butt heads, especially as we're trying to communicate over things. But praise God, I need to not only recognize that she's different, but appreciate it. And then third, flex with it for the next 50 years. It's what we've all got to do. With any differences we have with our spouse, we've got to recognize the difference, appreciate the difference, and then flex with each other for the next 50 years. Again and again and again and again and again. With grace and with patience, sometimes with bewilderment, Wow, you are different than me. Secondly, we communicate on various levels. You've probably seen this, but I like it. Caleb, do you have that chart? Here's some different levels of communication, right? And we'll focus maybe on these first couple of columns. Cliche, you're basically not sharing at all. Seen the weather? Yep, cool. How you doing? Good. Just cliche, non-sharing. Fact, you're sharing what you know. Opinion, you begin to share what you think about what you know. Emotion, you're sharing what you feel about what you think and what you know. And then finally, transparency is sharing who you are. This takes none, little. This takes much and complete transparency. And as you move down, it necessitates trust and communication and risk. And what's the point of this? In our marriages, some of us are more comfortable going down than others. For some of you, it's easy. It's easy to share how you're feeling and to be transparent about who you are. For others of, of you, for any number of reasons, it might be a little bit harder for you to open up and to share not just your opinions, but to, to open up your soul and say, this is what I feel about this. And because this is the way I feel about it, I think that, that, that means this is who I am. And that can be difficult. And we may quickly be thinking that all women are like this and all men are like this, but it's not necessarily the case. And sometimes it's the man who feels deeply and who wants to share his heart and be very transparent. And sometimes it's the wife who's not so excited about that. So this is not a husband-wife kind of thing. But it is within marriage, oftentimes one can be a little more willing to go there than the other. We're different. We come from different places. We've had different experiences. And because of those differences, if we don't recognize the differences and appreciate the differences and be flexible and gracious and patient with each other, it can lead to trouble. We have to be careful because one of the things that can explode 
in a marriage because of the differences that we don't recognize or appreciate or flex with is anger. Anger's a killer. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 3, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. What that means is that probably all of us, maybe some of you more than others, have communication habits that just need to be broken by the power of Christ in your life. That whenever the differences begin to show themselves or whenever it's time to talk about something, quickly your temperature rises and anger takes over. And maybe you storm out. This is the way my daddy would respond whenever he and my mama would begin to have a conversation that would begin to get a little bit heated. My daddy would grab his keys and head out the door. And he'd be gone for about an hour, going down to the 7-Eleven to get a cup of coffee, probably going somewhere to smoke a cigarette. And he'd come back about an hour later and they'd go about their business as if nothing ever happened. It's just how they resolved Conflict. It's not a good way <laughs> to resolve conflict. That when it begins to bubble up and get a little bit scary, I'm out. I go to the room and close the door. I grab my keys and head out for a bit. That's not the way to do it. Others of you may raise your voice. If you don't like where the conversation is going and it's getting a little bit scarier, maybe if you'll just raise your voice a little bit, you can get rid of it. That ain't the way to do it either. Do not yell at your spouse. Some of you, and I sure hope it's Not many, if any, call each other names. It's not that you just get loud, but you get mean. You don't ever call your spouse a name. Sometimes we get historical, not hysterical. We get hysterical too, but historical. You're talking about something that happened today and all of a sudden you're getting historical about things that happened 10 years ago. Well, you remember the late... Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about this. (laughs) Some of you, when anger gets hold of you and you notice that you've got your spouse on the ropes... You just stay at them. Well, I got her where I want her now. And you just, "Mm, mm, mm, mm." or I've got him where I want him now. And I'm just going to stay at him. Anger. Oh, we got to watch it. Soon after telling us that we've got to put away all anger and wrath and malice and slander, Paul tells us to put on compassion, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. James tells us, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, let's, by the grace of God, be kind to each other and patient with each other and gracious towards each other and forgiving towards each other, even when we're... Ah, ah, ah. It goes like that, doesn't it? It does. We need to fight malice, which is kind of mean-spiritedness, and slander, and name-calling, and yelling, and uh, breathe deep. Pray, right? Remember Nehemiah and Nehemiah chapter 2? Nehemiah chapter 1, he prayed every day for three months that God would give him an opportunity. In Nehemiah chapter 2, he's in front of the king, and the king says, what do you need? And he says, so I prayed to the Lord, and I said. Maybe we need to do that as we're communicating with our spouse sometimes, and it's getting a little, uh, So I prayed to the Lord, and I said, God, would you help me? Let me show you another text. Fellas, sorry about this one. Turn to Song of Solomon chapter 2. I'm going to show us a picture of an ideal man. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now our wives can hold us to it, fellas. In Song of Solomon chapter 2, so way back in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms is about in the middle of your Bible, and then Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Solomon. We're running out of time, but I want to show you this. The Song of Solomon seems to be about the celebration of a love relationship between a man and a woman. And in chapter 2, they're about to go out on a date. And depending on which interpreter you, you go with on the Song of Solomon, um, some would take this to be before this couple was married. Others would say, we're not sure. They may indeed be married. But in chapter 2, verse 8, she says, listen, my beloved, behold, he's coming, climbing on the mountains, leaping on the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he's standing behind our wall. He's looking through the windows. He's peering through the lattice. Now, that's a little bit weird. Um, Probably a little different than our culture. He's excited. He's antsy. He wants to spend time with her. He's coming to pick her up. They're going to go out together. And he says, my beloved, she says, my beloved responded and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. Behold, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers have already appeared in the land. The time has arrived for pruning the vines, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened its figs, and the vines in blossom have given forth their fragrance. What, what time of year is it? It's springtime. It's a time for love. So he says again, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. So he shows up to take her out. 
or he comes down the stairs for date night. Come on, babe. It's time to go. Come along. And here's what he says to her while they are out on their date. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place of the steep pathway, let me see your form. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your form is lovely. He compares her to a dove that is hiding up in a rock. She doesn't want to come out because she's a little bit afraid. She's afraid. She's scared. What's, what's he going to do? What's he going to ask of me? What? And what is he saying? He's just coaxing her out. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place of the steep pathway, let me see your form. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. Your form is lovely. He wants to visit with her. He wants to talk to her. And guys, if you were at the men's muster, you remember we talked about needs that our wives have. We talked about four of them, but the, the fourth one, and we put it forth because it was kind of the climax of all of them, emotional responsiveness. It's one of the greatest needs your wife has from you, men, is emotional responsiveness. If I was talking to your wives, the fourth one for us is physical responsiveness. But hers is emotional responsiveness. And you and I were really good at it back when we were trying to win them. We'd sit down and we'd look into their eyes and we'd ask them questions and we'd listen and everything was good. I'd write her poems and and it was just awesome, emotionally responding, asking questions, listening, looking into her eyes, figuring out what she's trying to say, just boom. Then we got married. And you know what happened, right? We need to listen well, fellas, quickly to give her focused attention. Ladies, you too. so easy to be distracted with TV and the laptop and the phone, but we need to stay focused when we're visiting with our spouse. We need to listen with acceptance and understanding. What that means is that we can't interrupt, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. We can't be critical. Well, that's just stupid for you to think that way. Well, that's just dumb for you to feel that way. We can't be analytical. Well, if A is B and B is C, then A is C. Can't you see that? Fixed it. So we need to give focused attention, listen with acceptance and understanding, ask clarifying questions. Are you, so here's what I think you're telling me. Do I have it right? Can you tell me more about what you're feeling? Those kinds of things. That's hard for some of us to do. We better close. Focus on what's being said, not the way it's being said. This is a great quote from Ed Welch in his great book, Walking with Others and Wisdom and Love. He said this, as we're listening, he said, hearing is a physical act. 
Listening is the ability to interpret those sounds as a way to understand the world and other people. We hope to learn what is important to the person we're talking about, which is another way of saying that we hope to hear what is on his or her heart. The way in is to listen for what is dear, what is loved, what is feared, what is hard. We listen for how someone feels. That's pretty good. All of us can hear what our spouse is saying. But are we listening to what our spouse is saying? Maybe we'll pick up on some more of this next week. We're going to pray, we're going to sing, and then we'll be done today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for a full morning of singing and of communion, of celebrating new church family and at least briefly looking to your word. Would you help us husbands and wives to live with each other in an understanding way according to knowledge? She's not like me. I'm not like her. And that that would lead us to recognize those differences, appreciate those differences, and flex with each other with grace and with kindness and patience and with love. Help us to to watch out for how anger can, can play itself out in our communication. May we listen well. May we speak with kindness and with clarity. And Lord, may you help us to do it again and 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 again to persevere with our beloved and with our friend. For your glory and for our good, we'll pray in Jesus' name. Amen.